Hello and welcome to the Metal Hammer podcast number 103. How do we get here? How do we get here? Nobody knows. Then the days go by. <laughs> As you can tell from this existential conversation, I'm here with Jonathan Seltzer, Metal Hammer's reviews editor. How are you? I'm very good. Good. And I'm Eleanor Goodman, deputy editor of Metal Hammer. And we are here to bring you another amazing podcast, this time with added black metal and gloom and existential crises. Yes, because uh, that's I'm all about all of those and, <laughs> and um, cheesy rock, which we, which we shall get into later. <gasps> so much cheesy uh, rock, but that's a conversation for down the line. Yes. Right now, we've been talking about our '80s issue, which is still on sale now. It comes with a special Carpenter Brute CD curated by the synthwave master himself, and it comes with an '80s poster pack, which I'm very happy with because it has a Godflesh street cleaner poster. Amazing. One of my favourite album covers, and um, and one of the yeah, and one of my favourite records of all time. So I was very happy with that. It's going up on my wall as soon as I can find some space. Excellent. Please put it next to your bed so you can look at it every morning when you wake up and think of, of in, God of flesh. Grim industrial <laughs> people being um, yeah, yeah, people being crucified against against walls of fire. Exactly that. Good way to wake up. Exactly that. The issue also features Iron Maiden, Anvil, Discharge, Morbid Angel, Man of War, Black Sabbath, Holy Moses, Metallica, Doro, Queensryche, lots and lots and lots of 80s amazingness. Ministry. So, yeah. For my industrial piece. Yeah, so go grab that 80s issue out right now. Should we move on to some news? Let's do that. News. Well, the big story this week is that Ozzy Osbourne has cancelled his 2020 North American tour due to health issues. Yeah, it's not surprising. Still disappointing. Bit sad. Yeah, it's really, like you said, it's really sad and disappointing because I think the singles he's been putting out recently have been really good. Yeah. Um, And obviously it's been over the news quite recently about his Parkinson's diagnosis. And he's been struggling with that for a number of years. So, uh, you know, who knows what's going on with them at the moment. We can just have to cross our fingers, really, and hope. Yeah, he put, he put out a statement that he was, there was some treatment that he needed. Was it in Switzerland, I think? Uh, yeah, he's going for some specialist treatment. That's right, yeah. And, it was, and that was going to, like, impinge on the North American tour. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's just that, you know, when when concerts, you know, when tours are being put back and then put back, it kind of raises the stakes for um, when they do, if and when they do actually happen. Mm. And um, so I think, you know, by the time he does get around to playing shows, everyone's going to be wondering, there's going to be this kind of trepidation in the air, I think. Yeah, totally. About how, you know, how well he's going to be. Well, um, yeah, you're, you're right. He's um, gone to Switzerland for treatment, or he's going to Switzerland for treatment, so hence the cancellation. And he spoke to the Los Angeles Times he said that he was 75% back to normal after his health woes in 2019. And he said, it's been a pretty incredible, interesting career. People have written me off time and time again, but I kept coming back and I'm going to come back from this. When, I don't know. I don't want to go back out there until I'm ready. So we just have to wait, really, don't we? Yeah. Um, all the best wishes to Aussie. Yeah. We, we, yeah. We well. yeah. What else is happening? Well, Rage Against the Machine. Um, they've um, there's a bit of a brouhaha. There is, the, isn't there? No, uh, I heard that word in a while. I love that word. <laughs> um, yeah, over the ticket prices uh, at their gigs. Yeah, so basically, people were kicking off, weren't they, on Twitter about ticket prices? But actually, they've done something where they sold a proportion of the tickets at the normal price, and then I think is it ten percent of the tickets. 
they held back and artificially inflated with the extra revenue going to charities. And this was to try and hold off scalpers reselling the tickets for a higher price. I think that's correct. It's a bit of a thorny, involved story, isn't it? Yeah, they've been, talk- yeah, they've been talking about um, fighting against scalpers, which is, which is an issue for any gig-goer. Such an issue. Uh, I think we've talked about it in the past, but um, it's just why we can't have nice things. Uh, yeah, it really sucks. Um, it's like you said, why we can't have nice things. The ticket problem is really widespread. Scalpers, it's an issue here and overseas. And every now and then it looks like something might be done or there might be some kind of inquiry. And I think in the UK there's been an inquiry into it, but I'm not sure where it's got to yet. Well, I have, I have, um, I have like, yeah, basically full faith in the Boris Johnson regime just for this <laughs> as a matter of priority. <laughs> Uh, I mean, but this is in the North America, but yeah, I mean, it looks like Rage have been really trying to actually work with the system they've got and try and do something within these limits and made money for charity. But a lot of people have gone online saying the ticket prices were too high and they can't get one and there's been a lot of upset. So we just have to see where things go, really. How are the bands are going to yeah, it's also deal with it too? You know, because of what they've you know traditionally stood for. Of course, yeah. And they think that, um, you know, this is kind of, it's capitalism gone mad, I tell you. Yeah. Um, and then there's also um, the sort of, you know, a lot of discussion about them playing Reading and Leeds rather than, say, Download or, en- or any other metal festival. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it seems like half the people in the audience don't, don't know who Rage Against the Machine are. Yeah, we had a chat about that last week because me and Merlin were talking about the brouhaha on Twitter and how people had called Rage Against the Machine goths. <laughs> it's like, where did that come from? Yeah, I just think you know, there's a generation of people who just don't know anything more than a decade old. Of course, and and I was the same when I was younger. I don't think you can fault people for that at all by any means, but maybe it's a strange audience to go yeah, for. Yeah, well, it's just that you look at the Reading Festival now, or the lineup now, and you probably hadn't heard of many of the bands three or four years ago, and you probably won't have heard many of the bands three or four years in the future. Um, it just seems to be that in that kind of indie world, there seems to be much more of a turnover of bands mm. than um, than uh, there is in the metal world. So that kind of keeps you in a constant present tense. That you you, d- you don't have a sense of history, you know where things come from, things have a lineage, and everything's kind of here today. It seems to be a little bit of everything's a bit ephemeral here today, gone tomorrow. So I'm not surprised that um, if that's your if that's your bag, then you're not going to have any sense of like history or or be or know what actually impacted your world ten years ago. What impacted Reading Festival? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like Reading, the Reading and the Leeds festivals—they're not like famous sites in, in the way that Donington has is. So, you know, the fact that Downard has you know this historical site um, helps keep that sense of lineage alive in the way that um, maybe Leeds and and Reading doesn't. And you know, the lineups these days are very different from when I used to go back in my old Melody Maker days. I actually do think Reading and Leeds have like a brand and a history as it were, having grown up with them. But they certain, don't seem to remember it. I was going to say it's certainly not a genre bounded one. It's a festival that's always changed to cater to what quote unquote young people are into, not a specific genre. Whereas Downloaders and Monsters of Rock has always been metal and rock mm. focused. So there's definitely a different thing there. But yeah, I mean, the ticketing thing, um, it does seem like they've tried to do the right thing within the confines of what they've got. But I totally agree with you about 
having seen all the backlash because if they're a band who are talking about sort of breaking down barriers and everybody having access to the same things and lots of social issues but then you can only go and see the band if you have a certain amount of money there's a disconnect there whether or not it's intentional mm. maybe they're going to do something like gorilla gigs like metallica did yeah and you know when they did principally part that was amazing yeah. they did the free gig to celebrate getting the number one i was at that show and that was incredible so i think you'd be hard pushed to say they're money grabbers um but you know no, the, ticket, the ticketing thing's just an issue across the board, really, isn't it? But the other thing is, like, like if people don't know who Rage Against the Machine are, you know, you must remember that Christmas number one a few years back. You know, it was such big news everywhere. Yeah, um, that I mean, was in the UK as well. The ticketing thing is happening in the, in the States, but Reading and Leeds is obviously UK-based, and the mm. number one was in the UK as well. It's probably longer ago than we think it was, though. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Rage are playing. I'm looking forward to seeing them in August. So <laughs> that's the thing. I'll, I'll be arranged to see how they, you know, how they go down in front of a disinterested crowd. See how um, Killing in the Name of works. Mm. Let's wait and see. Yeah. We've got some new songs out this week. Yes. So on Friday, that was the day of love. Last Friday, it was Valentine's Day. And Machine Head released an anti-Valentine's Day song called Circle the Drain. And Rob Flynn said it was based on... Um, an acquaintance of his who came home from fighting in Afghanistan only to have his relationship fall apart. So it's quite a serious subject. A serious subject, yes. It is. <laughs> but the way you said that implied, I don't think it's a serious song. <laughs> well, okay. Well, sadly, first of all, it's not a cover of the Katy Perry uh, Circle in the Drain. It's not. That's immediately that came to mind when I yeah. heard it was called Circle the Thankfully, Drain as well. Thankfully, <laughs> it's not a cover of the 36 Crazy Fists. A song called Circling uh, the Drain. No, it's not. Um, but it is a very Machine Head song. Very old school Machine Head song. It's so old school Machine Head, but it reminded me, I like it because it reminded me straight off of Triple Beam from Catharsis. And I know like 90% of people hate it on Catharsis, but I really liked it and I still stand by that. I just think, yeah, I just... Uh, I know you're not into it at all really, are you? Not really. No, it's just, for me, it's it's just that kind of meathead metal that I never really kind of got into. That kind of post-Pantera sort of sense of um, entitlement, usually in regards to women. Um, and um, it just reminds me of bad nights at the Shepherd Fox in London. <laughs> or, you know, you, you go, I used to go to this one cl club for um, Halloween, and, you know, two o'clock they'd just put on all the um, Pantera and all, all that kind of stuff, and there'd just be loads of loads of guys just like chest beating and at two in the morning and it just reminds me that it's just fodder for them. The lyrics are kind of suspect too, even despite <laughs> the subject matter. In what way? Well, so it starts off like kind of a bit of self-pity. Like it starts to say, I need to start running away, we're no good. It's and me then, and then, I'm trying to save. Yeah, and then it, and then it just uh, escalates really quickly into get the fuck away from me. It does, yeah. And it's just like, well, she's better off without you if you're that, if you're that changeable. And so, I don't to know, be fair, she's cheated on him, so it's probably going through a cycle of like anger. So, yeah, first of all, it starts. So I'm not taking sides here. No, it says, it says like he's alone in bed thinking, get the fuck away from me. And so he's thinking that. And then it just goes to like just straightforward, get the fuck away from me. So he's thinking it, and then he's kind of like pretty much more saying it. And then, uh, hang on, I'm just getting this straight. Then I can almost clear my head till I'm alone laying in bed thinking, get the fuck away from me. So she's not in bed with him. He's alone in bed. Yes, he's thinking that. 
Yeah, I need to start running away. We're no good at something I'm trying to save. Treading water, we're just knowing the pain, spinning around as we circle the drain. Pick up the pieces and turn it around. I bring the hammer down. So he's smashing up the relationship. He's, they were saying they're picking up the pieces and then he's smashing it again. But the way he sings like, you know, get the fuck away from me, it's kind of like just if if some some guy tried to start a fight with you or something, you know, it's it's a bit un, it's a bit unseemly. All I do is remember last September. I feel like it's rhymed remembering September before. I might be wrong there. Yeah, yeah, but he's singing it with a you know with a with a certain kind of um, you know real kind of vicious viciousness in it. Yeah, and um, I don't know if it's not not necessarily toxic masculinity, but it's uh, it'll leave your st- stomach feeling a bit uncomfortable. I mean, I guess it's a visceral reaction to being cheated on is what he's thinking about. It's not like being violent specifically towards yeah, somebody. But, think, so but it's like there's not a lot of nuance going on, basically. No, it's, it's, a, lot, it's a lot of self-pity. Yeah. But So I've had these discussions like, you know, one of, my, one of the albums I'm kind of most fascinated with is um, uh, Type of Negative, Slow, Deep and Hard. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a, which is a deeply angry, vicious um, uh, breakup album, mm-hmm. and it's you know on the surface of it, it's really misogynistic, but there's a, um, but there's a, a kind of a self awareness in that that I don't feel that's in here, um, and so when I try to explain why I like it as an album, uh, uh, slow, deep, and hard, because I say it's not really an album about women, it's an album about men, and it's him. Like basically, what you know, you know, detailing his kind of the breakdown of his masculinity, mm-hmm. and there's a really in- and there's a really fascinating um, sort of paradigm in there. Just like you know, he's like this guy's six foot seven. He wants to be this absolute man, and if you're that absolute about everything, all it takes is like one little brick in the wall, and your whole edifice starts falling down. And so this kind of details that um, in so much detail, and so it's. A really good that album is a really good breakdown of masculinity. There was a uh, you know the same around about the same time uh, uh, there was uh, River Runs Red by um, Oh Life Agony Life Agony and that was also another like really interesting where it went beyond self pity into like kind of being aware of um, you know your own kind of masculinity and your own and your own and the own toxicity sometimes that is in that uh, and another album around about the same time called. Gen- Gentlemen by Afghan Wigs was also a really great breakdown. But what that awareness that those albums have, this one doesn't. This song doesn't. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can't really argue against that. You put forward a really good argument. Um, I don't have a lot to say about it. I just kind of went, yeah, that's a machine head banger. <laughs> it doesn't really yeah, stand, it just, it it just doesn't stand up to scrutiny lyrically. I'll give you that. But as like a, just an old school this sounds like Machine Head sort of song. It that's yeah, what it that's it, what it, it is. It just falls into that kind of churning meathead metal pit that I just um just I just I don't know. It's not it's not, it's not my idea. Of, it's not why I like listening to metal for. It does seem like they've gone down a simplified route recently with this with catharsis. Yeah, it, in terms yeah. of subject matter of the songs. Yeah, they're just kind of more straight up relationships, drugs. It's, there's not a lot left to the imagination of the lyrics. Yeah, I mean, my, my, I mean, my immediate reaction was, okay, it's a bit more disciplined than that last album, which was all over the place. Needed, needed someone to see, need a producer who's just like, right, stop this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, there are a lot of songs on there, but I, I just thought it was quite fun. It was sort of like cutting loose and just 
being a bit old school and sort of freewheeling and that's why I kind of enjoyed it I didn't really need it to be massively coherent I just kind of went yeah this is like a fun thing to do but um it wasn't exactly like a carefully curated even he, even conceptual he, masterpiece no even when he turns into flogging molly I no I hate that bit <laughs> <laughs> Bastards. No, I really hate that one. Yeah, I think we used to play... That was the like the low point. I think we used to play in the office when it came out quite a lot. Yeah, but we I think did, it's because yeah. we were actually really willing it to be good. Just to keep playing it again. Just let it be good, let it be good. If I play enough times, it'll be good. No, I didn't like that particular song, but I did like the rest of them. I love Triple Beam, I love Catharsis, because like I said, I just like that sort of free feeling. But yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see what happens, whether they're going to carry on sort of down this like straightforward, straight up 90s-esque simple kind of route or if it's going to turn into something more intricate usually when people have done either like an ambitious or in their case a sprawling record they tend to react the next time around and do something much more stripped down i don't know this this single suggests to me it will carry on down the catharsis path but who knows yeah i'm curious to find out i'm not but i will find out anyway (laughs) Uh, asking alexandria have got a new song as well it's called they don't want what we want and First song in a while, I think. I'm trying to remember when their last record was. I'll just have a quick look because you won't know, will you, Jonathan? <laughs> no, no my, my, I only have a certain amount of bandwidth. <laughs> you have to use that bandwidth for um, darker matters. Yes. <laughs> well, what did you think of the song? Not as bad as I feared. Wait, yeah, it's been three years since the last record. Yeah, I mean, so. it doesn't sound like they've they've gone through any kind of real self-reflection or anything about what they, you know it, it's three of the worst parts of um of um asking alexandria i actually thought it was very different because they've traditionally just sort of written about relationships and stuff or written about falling out with each other but this song it's like they've tried to go political like the lyrics are things like uh the more they take from us the better they will be or something i can't remember now yeah, like the more they take from us, the better we'll be. As if they're talking about politicians who are taking stuff from um, sort of the underclass of society and just going, yeah, it's fine, you'll be better off, we'll just keep taking the stuff. Like it seemed to me to be a political comment on what's happening in the US and the UK. They're obviously a UK band who have been uh, often based in the US. And I was like, oh, they've, you know, sort of in quotation marks, grown up. It's like they've suddenly decided to tackle something outside of themselves, which I thought was showed yeah. a bit of growth, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, but they still sing like they're just about any just hit puberty. Well, that's the other thing, actually. I thought it sounded really like Fallout Boy. I thought his style of singing was actually quite different on this record. I think it's quite a big change for them, is what I'm saying. I'm not necessarily saying, like, it's for the better or for the worse. I just thought it was no. quite different. So I think it's very professionally put together the song. Um, They're always very slick, aren't they? Yeah. Um, it doesn't have all the sort of extra electronic nuts and bells and whistles. It doesn't sound quite as desperate as maybe as I've thought they've sounded in the past. Yeah. Um, so, and again, yeah, it seems a bit, it's like, yeah, slightly more stripped down, maybe because the um, maybe because of the subject matter, which I'm sure will clarify the uh, current world problems for a lot of people. <laughs> I know what you mean about the sort of desperation, because I felt like the last record, the self-titled one, I wasn't really too fussed on it, and I felt it was sort of like trying to capture yeah. something that wasn't There's quite a lot there. Of bands that just seems to like chuck shit at a wall and see what sticks. But um, 
I do think they've sort of tried to do something different with this. And I quite like the video as well. They've got loads of medieval paintings. It's, well, it's, it's a look video. So illustrated. It's, it's, yeah. It's but I thought it was quite cool because one of my favourite memes is like the why though meme. So I was like, oh, it's like all the medieval memes put together. Yeah. I, I like, actually, sometimes I like lyric videos more than um, actual videos because they have really good animation sometimes. Yeah. And I like what they do with, what people try to do with typography. Yeah. And I think they've tried to sort of link that whole medieval painting to like the political system as it is today and how it's sort of, this might be a link too far, but you know, the sort of medieval feudal thing of certain concentrated people having power and money and other people not having the power and the money and it does seem like they've gone political. I don't know whether it's because, um, you know, like Ben is a dad or something. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe he's thinking about his kid's future. Maybe it's because things are really shit and you just can't ignore them anymore. I mean, there is that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not even asking Alexandria. You know, they, <laughs> they can't just sing about coke and interband disputes now. They've got to sing about the state of the world. Yeah, it's interesting that a band have traditionally been about that feel the need now to... Sometimes, you know, when, when a band um, goes from not very political to being very political, like a good case example was... Um, uh, well, just, you know, sometimes it's just like when bands kind of suddenly change their tack and you can see the strain of them trying to say something relevant. Yeah, I know, know what you mean. Like, I think like there's, there's one municipal waste record where... Like, you know, they've always sung about beer, kegs and zombies and all the, all, the, all the good thrash stuff. And they try to go political. And it was just, oh my God, another song about, um, about evangelists. And right. It was just... A bit much. Yeah, just not, not very convincing. And Some bands are better when they stick to partying. Like, they, they're just a band I always think of, like, have a beer, have a barbecue, have a party... I sort of don't need them to be political. Do you well, know what I mean? Could well, go, I mean, could go somewhere see, else. I, for I that. think thrash is inherently political. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, um, and we've had this conversation yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just when, when if, you're, if you're going down the big kicks and zombies route, and then you suddenly go political, it's it just looks a bit um, contrived. Yeah, I think different thrash bands for different things. Yeah. Oh, that's a bit of a, it's a bit of an office quotes there. If Merlin was here, he'd be like different thrash bands for different needs. Yeah, I just like ones that sing about the apocalypse and nuclear <laughs> war because that's what it all comes down. That's your fave. Yeah. Well, we mentioned Ozzy earlier, but we should also probably mention we celebrated 50 years of Black Sabbath's debut album. Yes. That was last Thursday, I want to say. 50 years of Black Sabbath. Time flies. Doesn't it? <laughs> so, <laughs> so you were like just born when this happened, right? Yeah, I was maybe, a few, yeah, uh, few weeks old this was the world that you I, were born into i know it's, it's like it's like it's like obelisks falling into the into the, into the um <laughs> the pot of magic potion <laughs> when he's a kid <laughs> please say that description again that was amazing it's like obelisks falling into the magic potion when you're a kid obsidian obelisks no from asterix and obelisks the co- you know you know the um the, oh. co- the comic books about the ghoul, about the ghoul, Asterix the ghoul. I thought you were talking so about... So Obelisk, Obelisk, you know, he's a, big, he's a big one. He doesn't need any magic potion because <laughs> he fell into a vat of it as a kid. So oh. he's just always strong. I thought you were talking about, like, the monuments, like no, Obelisks. I was, I was talking about the, um, the, the, the French band Dessinay. <laughs> <laughs> so cultured. <laughs> every, every kid around my age was obsessed with Asterix and Obelisk. I did have a book, but I didn't really ever read them. Oh, they were great. I was just but that's why I turned out like this and you turned out to be... Um, into Vikings. and Intellectual. <laughs> yeah, because of cartoons. <laughs> and just being super happy when um, 
uh, used to get little toys in, in cereal boxes. I oh, know, I got those. But yeah, the Obviously. Astro Snobbisk ones were my favourites. No, I didn't get them. I just got like spoky dokies and things. Bit off topic. Where were we? <laughs> Black Sabbath turned 50. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, That's good, isn't it? Yeah, look, every time I play it, it just, I get the same reaction, just the, just the, immediate, like, the immediate sort of wow. And just, it, it just the effect of it never wears off. Uh, I think maybe it's because it's been, what they did has been picked up so much mm. that it always feels current. Um, yes I think you know one of the other aspects about it was that yeah it was like a kind of a year zero but the bands that really you know what it tells you is that the bands that really changed everything they also had deep they still had deep roots in what went before Mm. like you can hear um, still a lot of kind of blues noodling in it especially in Sleeping Village and you you can see you can totally see where they come from but it's just there's just these magic moments where something mutates into something else, but it always has deep roots in, you know, it's not just like putting something new in for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. It's just like things things don't mutate unless they have like a really deep strain in them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was kind of like, yeah, top sea change, but, um, but they had, you know, but they were kind of blues guys as well too. It's heavy as well, isn't it? Like, like I mean, I it's just, still I just, heavy. I just try to imagine... The shock of hearing Black Sabbath uh, for the first time then in mm. 1970. Pretty cool. So yeah, go have a little bit of birthday cake or something and put that out in the yeah. dark and well, have well, a nice time. Yeah, I also just want to. Yeah, also just um, you know, it totally like mixed these these elements of like horror and total social awareness as well too. Uh, you know that just that you know just the um, existential horror of the first opening lines, mm. but it was so tied into. You know, the, kind of their Birmingham, kind of downtrodden roots, and the thing is, like those are like the, the genes that metal's always mixed. That kind of horror, fantasy, um, so, you know, the mundane as well, mm-hmm. and it just creates this amazing concoction. That's like DNA churning soup. That's um, it's not just in the downtrodden riffs, but just some of those themes that have like been churned and reconfigured ever since. And the themes that people of us who like metal are so inexorably drawn to yes but why yeah we just are it's in, it's in our genes it's a, yeah oh it's all gone heavy yeah let's go on to another subject this is definitely no not heavy because jonathan is here this week <laughs> we've chosen a very special album of the week yeah and our album of the week is heat 2 by the band heat yeah. Jonathan, go on. No, Give, uh, no, do the primer for everybody okay, no, for who Heat are. No, I kind of want to hear what your thoughts are on it because my, my experience with Heat is gauging other, like, as much as <laughs> my personal love of the band and I'll explain why I love them. Uh, but it's also tied in with what other people's responses are to them. Um, I just think it's cheesy as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you put it on and you're like... They're really doing this? Oh, yeah, they're really doing this. Exactly. They're, they're really writing, like, these cheesy songs about, like, um, <laughs> the opening oh track is called Rock Your Body. Yeah. Uh, they've got a song called We Are Gods. It, and it's, like, cheesy 80s gu- guitar, like, what, like, melodic rock solo-y guitar, yeah, AOR, cheese ball. Maybe sort of REO Speedwagon in there or something, just so 80s. And like, but by young kids. Yeah, Young Swedish kids. So tell us about where they came from. They formed in 2007. They're from Sweden. Yeah, I only kind of really came to them on their third album. Uh, and 
I know, but like you listen to this one, it's just just the immediate feeling of just like being massively injected with this adrenaline shot of happiness, this kind of massive shot of like happy cheesy goo. <laughs> I mean, it is it like, is happy like, cheesy it's goo. Just, like it's so like it's so shameless. That's exactly what it and is. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, again, because you know you're more intellectual than me, you've come up with the right word. It's totally shameless. It's like you don't write songs like this with any kind of um Self, you're like not, self-consciousness you, yeah exactly you're not being held back whatsoever you're just like no we're just going to write these like cheesy songs and just do it really openly and like not give but a they, shit but they, but they write but they write such great tunes I, it's you know, very on, catchy like on like on a level with um at least on a level with steel panther not the, the same i was actually about to bring steel panther up because they sound like a swedish steel panther but for real, the lyrics obviously aren't about sex in the way. No, uh, they are. I mean, in the way, not no, but not in no, the no, way no, that Steel no, Panther no, are. There, there it's is, not, you know, there, about no, hookers no, and. Yeah, the thing is, like, there's nothing meta about. <laughs> yeah. um, they, you know, they they actually have no inner voice. No, and um, but that's it's exactly right. There's no inner voice. It's completely but they, shameless. But they really polarize people. So I remember we played them in the office uh, back in uh, Angel, and me and Dom. Like the crusty curmudgeons, we love this <laughs> pure, unfiltered cheese thing. Everyone else in the office absolutely hated it. It's like, what is, what is this shit? Turn it off. Even Sean, Pattenden, sorry, sorry, even even Sean Llewellyn, she's an editor of Classic Rock. Classic Rock, yeah, and she loves she loves heart, but she does not love heat. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what a difference one letter can make. Yeah, but so I can't understand. So for me, it's so immediate and obvious why this band is so great. And it amazes me that other people get such reaction against it. And so I try to come up with an analogy about, work out why people hated it so much. And the only analogy I come up with, well, it's like, let's just say if you were like a cocaine user. Yes. Right? As, uh, you know, obviously let's all just, those let's times. Ju- let's just say, <laughs> not you personally. <laughs> but you know, if you don't cocaine, it's, it's all, all the cocaine you've, you've done is, been doing has been cut with something so it's been adulterated yeah and then someone get, that's that's what you do and then someone gives you this like pure unfiltered cocaine you, just, you go it's like fucking hell it's like what the fuck is this shit well that's the pure stuff <laughs> and it's just like, that's that's the feeling of um of heat and i've seen them live and it's just every bit is cheesy uh i remember i was at download and i was having a really shit time it was like i was covering for classic rock and it was raining it was muddy I had to go and see Disturbed in the Rain. Uh, I would have loved that, Jonathan. Oh, God, Disturbed. That, that, get, that, that, you know, that, that set was like someone had just taken Tool, wrung out all the good stuff and just held on to the rag. If uh, I'd been at that festival, I would have gone and reviewed them oh for gosh. you. In fact, uh, I was at that festival. I just yeah, wasn't working I for was, Hammond. I was, so. I was in the middle of, a, <laughs> middle of a field in the rain having a shit time. Uh, then, <laughs> I, I went up, then I had to like trudge up the hill to go and see uh, cover um, Black Veil Brides. Just Again, one of your favourite bands. Oh, just risable is the word <laughs> for them. Just, and there's two things that saved me. Like One, like on that same stage, the cult coming on, and it's just like, See, writing a writing a killer riff is not rocket science. Just write a fucking riff, and then and then going down to the third tent to see Heat, and just these these guys just loving every single moment of it, um, and just being so in the moment. And so for me, it's just like the most uncynical record, one of the most uncynical bands around. And uh, yeah, just just need need a bit of that. You just they're sort of like airport. What airborne are to ACDC, that sort of heat to 
Yeah, the, 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 to some, someone else. I can't yeah, but, think which band, but yeah, but, yeah. But it's, it's like this, like you said, they're young guys, and they're doing like an old style of music, and sort of, it's not really being given a new spin. It, they're just doing an old style of music, but with like new production. Yeah, yeah. But if but if you get if you if you get it, so if you if you write songs that well and throw yourself into it so much, it feels like something new. It's not meant to be a criticism. It's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. it sort of reminds me of that thing. Like Airborne came along and it's like, oh, they're ACDC, but like again. And it's almost like Heat are that kind of band, mm. like young guys doing something for fun. Yeah. That is like a very, a very classic style of music. Yeah. I mean, band, yeah, I mean, bands are clearly just, just clearly just trying to chase a dream and play this music because they think that's how it's supposed to be played. Uh, they're the one who, who kind of makes it feel a bit old, but this just makes it feel like absolutely brand new and and revelatory all over again. And yeah, yeah just just don't you just don't go. It's like the, I love that bit in the middle of the first song, Rocket Body, where he just goes, you know, as if he's on stage, looking good, <laughs> <laughs> and just just every, yeah, just all the pull down, just all the reasons for pull downs you ever want. Um, yeah, the previous album I thought was a, li- was a little bit lacking in that kind of um, uh, in all the thrills that they I normally had. They normally had. Um, just like to point out, this isn't actually their second album, even though it's called Heat Two. It's confusing. It's, uh, yes, they're sick. But the first album is called Heat, but they had a different singer then. And this guy Eric Gronrod, I think, is a, he's a better singer. He just goes for it a bit more. So I'm picturing you in your bedroom with your Godflesh poster up, yeah. running around the room with uh, singing into a hairbrush. Yeah, pu- doing the pull downs. Yeah, and exactly. the finger swipes. Or drop into your knee, maybe as well. Yeah, yeah, bit of yeah. that. I, I saw him live, and he was like he, at the Islington Academy. Uh, it's funny, like they recorded a previous gig live album at the Islington Academy, and I was there, and I know that the crowd on the album was not as loud as the crowd. <laughs> You know, it was louder than the crowd at the actual gig. Like, Which actually, one was louder, the audience or the, so, funny the recorded enough, one? Should, I'm confused should, now. Funny you should say this. Which one was louder? The, uh, so it, it was obviously <laughs> that, the, uh, that the crowd on the album wasn't necessarily the crowd at the gig. Right. But funny you should mention Godflesh because I had a choice that night. Like, <laughs> whether to see Godflesh or Heat. I mean, that's like your worst decision that you have I, to make. I, mean, I think I'm the only person on the planet who probably <laughs> who probably have this decision. But they're they're playing the same night, and literally one down the road from each other, the Godflesh were playing at the uh, at, at the garage in Highbury Corner, and he was playing up the road at, um, uh, at the Islington Academy. And I love Godflesh. You know, they I was born in Godflesh, reborn in Godflesh, and then all those mm, fires. Yeah. Uh, but I've seen it lots, lots of times. I thought, right, I'm going to go and see Heat, and I was happy that I did. I'm glad. It was a good day to be you. Yeah. And with yeah. this record, they'll probably tour again. I, I very much hope so. So, yeah. we'll get to see and, them again. And they're just, they'll be a great festival band. Should I come with you and watch yeah. them? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll do pull downs together. <laughs> well, there you go. That is our album of the week. That is Heats 2 by Heat. Actually, their seventh album, did you say? Six. Six actually, their think, sixth album. A, no, maybe it's a seventh album. You could look that up for yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Heat 2 by Heat. Also out, we have. The Amity Affliction, Everyone Loves You Once You Leave Them. New record from Anvil, uh, Lowrider, Polaris, We Sell the Dead. Uh, Temple. Mondo Generator. Yeah, a lot of kind of bands coming back. Like Mondo Generator haven't been around in a while. No, that was like a blast from the past. But that's actually like a collection well, of older songs, isn't it? I think this one's Shooter's Bible. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they, yeah. They, they do actually have a new album called, I think it's called Get Fucked. Um, All right. Which is very Mondo Generator. 
Yes, yeah. Nick Olivieri. Lowrider, the first album in about 20 years, like one of the uh, classic desert rock bands. Uh, the album's really good, actually. Um, yeah, Satanali Temple, kind of a cult doom. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, Solidad has an uh, ex-member of him. Yeah. It's, have, you, have you heard it? Uh, I've heard the last one, but not the new one. Oh, that's all right. Uh, I haven't played it enough. Um, uh, Anvil, probably being Anvil. Anvil, yep. Yeah. Anvil do what Anvil do. Yeah. Anyway, lots of good music for your Friday. Which all is your out t- today. Apart from Heat, what is your favourite one? Um, probably Lowrider. I feel like I always want to like Saturnino Temple more than I do. Mm, interesting. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, the Lowrider just uh, yeah, it just reminds me of all the classic um, Desert Rock stuff and they haven't lost anything in the in all the years that they I just love all the desert rock stuff and I love all the stories about them having generator parties in the desert and I always think yeah. how amazing would that be to just have been there at that time just in the desert at generator party yeah. like, that's like the coolest thing ever yeah, I think Lowrider was Swedish so not much in the way of deserts there <laughs> <laughs> but you know the other stuff the Nicola yeah. Vary stuff you're mentioning <laughs> they, <laughs> they were in the desert yeah they were yeah uh, yeah uh, in shootouts and things <laughs> Wasn't involved in the shootout? I don't know. We'll have to run that by our legal team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do some reader questions? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Rob Lake asks, who would the Metal Hammer team want to either re-release a classic album or release a Greatest Hits compilation? Um, he also says, Happy Holidays, Mr. Wizard, which I think is a reference to Merlin being away today. But I'm not sure Merlin likes to go by Mr. Wizard, so should yeah. probably gloss over that one. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Who do you want to really release a classic album or release a greatest hits compilation, Jonathan? Well, uh, I think pretty much every metal album gets re-released anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go for, for an album that kind of touches on metal, that did something very different with metal, which would be The Young Gods' debut album. Nice. Uh, called The Young Gods. Um, and I bet if it came out now and you listen to it now, you would not believe that it, was be like, it, that it was like 30 years old. I um, don't know anything about it. Uh, I played some in the office to you, some latest stuff of theirs in the office to you. Right, and you I remember loved that. It. I said it was very good. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so they were a Swiss band. Uh, they sampled metal and classical music and created something entirely new out of it. Just kind of like total uh, convulsive pagan classical landscape. And it just... It was so revolutionary that no one else, I think only one ever, one band ever thought they could try to copy them and didn't do a particularly good job. Oh, they did an okay job, they built called Chapone and Pal. Um, but it was so revolutionary what they did and the effect of it was so, it was just like standing in the middle, of, in the epicenter of this kind of massive eruption and someone's conducting this eruption around you. Oh, wow. Uh, so it's like, you know, kind of used technology, but it was like super pagan. They had this, this guy, Franz Tractor, the voice was like... Um, yeah, imagine um, sort of Jim Morrison, who'd just been I- in the year 2020 BC or something. He <laughs> had this amazingly rich voice. And it was just the mo- one of the most startling debut albums I've ever heard. And We should all go and visit that then. Yeah, so I just think... What was it called again? Uh, the Young Gods. Oh, it was self-titled. Yeah, it was self-titled. And um, yeah, I think it came out in 88, I think it came out. 
And I do remember you putting something on for me and really liking it. I yeah, think I might have actually... more electronic albums. I think I went to follow them and on Spotify yeah, so and, that and I maybe, could... Yeah, and maybe TV Sky, which is kind of their mid-period where they went a bit more rocky. Here we go. Um, the, the, the first two albums, they kind of mixed classical. I did, I followed them. Yeah, the first two albums, they mixed classical and... Um, and you know, lots they sample like Voivod and a lot of other kind of metal riffs, and they they'd loop them, and they just find this exponential amount of energy in these riffs the way they would they would use them. So they they had no guitarist, but they had a live drummer and a sampler, and yeah, it's one of the most explosive, just like all things are possible debut albums. And Amazing. I just think it should be thrown in, thrown into into our into our midst again, to um, yeah, just. It won't. Thirty years later down the line, it doesn't sound dated. So it's like, it's, it'll sound it's revolutionary now as it is. So it's nineteen eighty-seven. Nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah. yeah, that's very cool. Uh, I'm glad you flagged them again because now I've remembered them. Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. There's something like super shamanic about them as well. They played. Um, they played uh, the garage uh, a few months ago, end of last year, and it's what they do now. It's very different, kind of slightly more ambient. Uh, but it just the way it just builds and rises and it t- takes you out of yourself. But this was just, um, yeah, it's just like the earth crust opening up and oh, wow. being directed by some, being directed by some by some crazed wizard who actually knows what he's doing. I mean, that sounds pretty mad. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I just think that should be reissued and it will just blow everyone's minds. Well, I was going to say something a bit less mad than that. I was just going to say it would be nice to see like a hybrid theory re-release because it's 20 years of hybrid theory this year but like with old photos and like interview bits and pieces like from the past repackaged and kind of um you know that whole because re-releases fine like it's like you said about the young gods one that could actually sort of come into people's consciousness like it crossed people's radars Mm. because it was released such a long time ago um, hybrid theory is 20 years now which is pretty crazy because obviously there were people in their 20s and teens and younger who've not heard it but I just kind of it would be nice I love that album so much and it was um, so pivotal pivotal for me and obviously you know we've lost Chester and it would be nice to just have like a sort of tribute edition of that with extra stuff in I'd like to see that like sort of like demos and yeah all that like outtakes and um, interviews and just all that extra kind of bonus stuff because Obviously, I've listened to the record a million times, so it's not really about hearing the actual tracks again so much as being immersed in some of the stuff around it. I yeah, quite like that. Maybe they, the reason they aren't releasing it, releasing it because they don't want to be seen as capitalising on... Totally, totally. I mean, there's a ton of albums that are 20 this year, and any of them I'd love as well, you know, White Pony and um, Disturbs the Sickness. <laughs> Said that one for you. Uh, we've got another question. You can do this one, Jonathan. Okay, so Sam Welch asks, with Floor from Nightwish and Hannes from Silverton, uh, uh both now having headlined Wembley Arena, what are the other power couples in metal? Well, I don't actually know a bunch of power couples in metal. I mean, a bunch of couples in metal because I think people tend to keep their relationships on the down low, but Doyle from Misfits and Alyssa White Glues, I'd say, were a power couple in the sense that they are both very vocal about the fact that they're vegan and gym going and they're both pretty stacked. So I'd say they're a literal power couple who do power lifting. That would yeah, <laughs> be the one I'd pick. Yeah, if you're vegan, it's probably, if you went out of the carnival, it'd be difficult. Probably, yeah. I mean, 
I'm sure people can manage it, but they're both very staunchly vegan and yeah, work out a lot seemingly. So that's my pick. Yeah, have you got no. have uh, you got one? This guy called Ozzy, woman called Sharon. Oh yeah, I might have heard of them. <laughs> yeah, Sharon Denadel and her husband in the band. Yeah, he um that was quite interesting actually, wasn't it? Because he stepped aside um and stopped being part of the touring band so he could care for their children mm. while she went on tour. And I thought that was really interesting because usually you get it the other way around in sort of conventional lifestyles usually ends up being the man who carries on doing the job and the woman who looks after the kids. And obviously he's still very involved with the band in terms of composition and organisation and so on, but I thought that was quite an interesting way of doing it. Yeah. The only one I come up with was Liv Christine of Leaves Eyes and Alex Kroll of Atrocity. There you go. So, uh, yeah, bestriding the worlds of metal together. <laughs> what better way? <laughs> like, 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 yeah, orchestral and death metal behemoths they are. What better way to bestride something? <laughs> uh, Matt Heeks asks, what things do you not like about your favourite bands? I personally don't like it when Ivan Moody does a speaking bit before the solos in Five Finger Death Punch songs when they say stupid things. <laughs> so Matt Heeks doesn't like the chat at a Five Finger Death Punch gig. He just wants to, them to get on with playing the songs, it sounds like. Um, are there any things you don't like about your favourite bands? I've had some, two of my favourite bands, or the singers, um, turn out to have either right-wing, extreme right-wing views. That sucks, doesn't it? Or, you know, people you wouldn't expect, or to, um, or, or to kind of try to authenticate people with extremely dodgy views. So... Yeah. Without going in too much in the details, but you know, I was like Amoebics is one of my favorite all time bands and just such an uplifting band. And then, uh, yeah, the singer, uh, Rob Barron, when he, you know, he had a new band called Tower Cross. And one of the people on his thank you lists and the on this album that was due to come out was, um, Cited as cited allegedly as being a Holocaust denier, right? Um, as uh, the, album ever, the album will never probably never come out. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a band called Skullflower who are like one of the great, the greatest noise power electronics band in the world, um, and just they just have something that no other band has, and it's just for me, it's the absolute music of the spheres, and um, and they're well, the, the guy who actually ended up just being Skullflower. Um, started coming out with some extremely right-wing views. And I don't know if, if something that happens at a certain age. Um, it's just horrible whenever it happens. Yeah. So it's horrible for any, when anybody says anything like that, it's just... Yeah, and it, it, it kind of like, how do you um, reassess their work and, you know... Yeah, it, sure. I mean, you know, but you know what, I'm still going to listen to Scarfly Records and I'm still going to listen to Amoebix Records. I think... Uh, but just, yeah, with Rob Barron, there's something always that has a sense of nobility about him. Um, always, and you know, he made us a sword. <laughs> well, I mean, actually, I should say on Matt Heeks's question, I actually read it out a bit incorrectly. He said he doesn't like it when Ivan Moody does a speaking bit before the solos in Death Punch songs, and I added the bit when they say stupid things because that was my note, and I'm dippy and I forgot. And that was basically my point agreeing with you is I don't like it when my favorite bands say stupid things, like when they say things that are racist or sexist or homophobic. I can't think of any examples. I think luckily. A lot of the bands I like haven't particularly come out and said anything terrible, but every now and then you get something and it just makes you really uncomfortable and you're just like, I wish that wouldn't be a thing. Um, and also, I guess, 
much more trivially, if we're talking specific examples of stuff you don't like it when your favourite bands do, I didn't love it when I watched Pussifer, uh, Maynard James Keenan's band, and they brought a wrestling ring. I thought it would be really cool because it's like a big show and a spectacle and like I know he's really into it and it looked really like good and I was like it on the face of it it was cool but then it was like a really weird fragmented gig where they'd play some songs and then they'd like stop and there'd be a wrestling match and then they'd play some more and it was just I didn't think it worked particularly well I didn't love that even though I like the music obviously it's their choice but you know yeah. I'm just one person yeah there's a lot of what um Maynard's band's do seems to be very just arbitrary you just just throw this in for the sake of it yeah i think he's just really into it and he's into like creating a sort of dramatic slash creative environment and for him that's probably a way of you know, artistic expression and bringing another kind of energy to a live show so i appreciate that i appreciate it when people do different things and i like to see them do different things i just didn't love it so is this when they played the roundhouse yeah so i remember that night so they were playing the roundhouse in Camden, down the road. Was it Heat? <laughs> no, it was, no, Jucifer were playing. Oh, right, okay, yeah. So, so I actually messaged Johannes Adonis from Lucifer, say, come on, you've got to make this a triple. Like, <laughs> you, you have to put a bill on that, on playing London the same night. So Jucifer, Lucifer and Pucifer all play in London on the same night. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> sadly, sadly it didn't happen, but Jucifer and, Jucifer and Pucifer were there, like literally yards away from each other. It pleased you so much. I remember when you brought that up at the time and you brought it up like several times. It really appeals yeah. to your language. Yeah, <laughs> of, of, <laughs> of, basic, of, of basic rhymes. Rhymes. We all <laughs> yeah. like a good rhyme though, don't we? Yeah. Um, Chris Haylock says, here's one for you, Jonathan. Yeah. Falling in reverse, the drug in me is reimagined. Discuss. So I should probably say, if you don't know Falling in Reverse, they had a song called The Drug in Me 10 years ago. And it was uh, Falling in Reverse came out. Um, Ronnie Radke was like a very polarizing figure in rock and metal. I think Hammer ended up covering Falling in Reverse like one time, but that was a bit of a backlash. Um, and yeah, The Drug in Me was kind of this video where there's a song and a video where he was in prison and there were lots of like sexy girls in it and ronnie has actually which sort of always happens in prison <laughs> and you just show up and you're just like oh there's a police officer and she appears to be a uh, bursting out of her uniform what's happening there but he actually had um he served a prison sentence in his early 20s so i'm guessing that video was a reference to that he used to write a lot of songs about how he's kind of misunderstood and stuff in his life and all that so anyway he did the drug in me misunderstood by his fans he did the drug in me way back when and now he's done a reimagined version which is very different it's slowed down it's a ballad he's doing it on a piano in the snow and then some flames burst out at the end so it's basically sort of slowed down balladized i'm making that into a word very very different jonathan your thoughts <sighs> well Let's just say that the ballad version doesn't bring out any hidden depths. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is, though, I feel like it's trying to bring out hidden depths. Yeah. It's just, but, but it's, it's very earnest, so isn't again, it? It's, it's just, it's, it's another thing of just like people just wanting their cake and eat it. Of just, <laughs> you know, like the original song was so smarmy and just so no, no, no in your face. <laughs> and then 
and then and then you want you the other side of it to make oh yeah but it's really meaningful and we do this kind of battle where he doesn't really express much in the way of um vulnerability it's just it's still kind of there's a kind of bombast there and you know his voice is okay there's some strings it's in the snow it there's not much dynamics in the song yet because the original songs they're like basically hardly any dynamics whatsoever. It's just him no. going, nah, 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 in your face. It's like it's like that bit in Dumb and Dumber where he just wants to, you want to hear a really annoying sound. That's, that's and he was sort of a like provocative figure, and he just kind of came along and like was just like, "I'm Ronnie Radke. I'm in your face. I'm in Falling in Reverse. Here are some songs." And you know that. And, and then this is like a very different tone, but it's still the same person. <laughs> Yeah, it just it, it just always seems to come to kind of to me to come across as a bit of a narcissist. He's on that narcissist spectrum. Yes, and this is just another kind of example of that of of like trying to trying to do this to say no. You see, it is meaningful by just making it a kind of like a ballad without many dynamics. You'll just have it. You have um, again like the original song, and um, it's just it's all all the fury, right elements are there, but it doesn't have anything in it well, it's em- empty well, calories yeah it doesn't like it's, it's, it doesn't have a moment of kind of vulnerability you know a moment of vulnerability in it um there's not like i said the song doesn't really have any kind of highs and lows uh it's definitely it, the kind of thing where i if i was in my early teens i would sit watching the rain out the window and thinking that it was like really meaningful or something yeah but as an adult it does not come across like that no i just but, you know again it's just like I find this with all these metalcore bands or, you know, some of the bands that are inspired and where they, where they, they kind of mix these clean and harsh vocals. Like, I mean, this has done it in two versions of the same song. Uh, well, you know, they're not really harsh vocals. But again, it's that, that kind of like that complete sort of bipolar thing. It's like if you ever met a, a man or a man child, <laughs> <laughs> you know, who went from self-pity to rage every, 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 few, every few minutes, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go anywhere near him. But this is what every metalcore song seems to be posited on. And you just think, what the fuck is up with this guy? And just every every metalcore song seems to be posited on that same kind of weird, like, switch on a dime. Yeah. Uh, sort of, you know, but it's self-pity and it's um and it's anger. Usually it's some kind of woman or something. It's often at some and kind of woman, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's just kind of like, why, why is that attractive to you? I do not understand. Like, would you ever go anywhere near anyone who acts like this in real life? Well, it just comes across as childish. Yeah, and just but and, there and, are and people. Just writing things there are people formula. like that in real life, sadly. Oh God! Well, <laughs> you'd, be, you'd, you'd be like, "What is with this guy?" You, 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 yeah. I'm glad you're not like that, Jonathan. Me? I'll never be like that. How dare you say I would be like that? <laughs> so changeable. I know, oh, temperamental. So changeable. Don't put any singles out anytime yeah. soon. Uh, we've got one more question. Yeah, uh, Chris Lloyd asks for our views on Poppy. Yeah. Um, well, my view is that I really wanted to like Poppy because I like her image. She likes and hangs around with a lot of bands from our world. Such as? Oh, I can't remember now. She's been, well, she's been announced for the tour with a big tour. I'm not going to say the bands yet because I want to check before I actually just bullet out what bands they are. Uh, fill the time, Jonathan. Uh, well, uh, well <laughs> I was actually blissfully unaware of Poppy until this That's question it. came up. Deftones and Gingera. I thought it was that bill, but what? I didn't want to say. Yeah, so she's wow. She's touring with them. She's. I'm sure she's toured with other metal bands, and she's 
been, you know, she's posted pictures of herself backstage at shows. She's been part of uh, Is she like a social influencer? NXT TakeOver. She has, um, you know, she's got a picture of Triple H here on Twitter. She's been around for a while and I like her aesthetic. She sort of, um, you know, looks edgy, slightly kind of goth slash fetish. Um, I sort of like, yeah, I like the aesthetic of it. And so I was excited to listen to her. But, and I really, really wanted to love it like really badly. Like I was basically like, I already love Poppy and that's fine. But I just don't click with it. To me, it just feels a little bit substanceless. And I would say that's, she's got kind of the extreme breakdowns and they just remind me of baby metal but i really love baby metal yeah that first so thing, the first thing on the new album i is sort very, of just would listen would listen to baby metal instead of poppy but i still want to really like her so i am wondering if seeing her live and like seeing her on a metal bill not that I'm probably going to go to the States to see that because you're in Deftones tour, even I though I'd fucking love to. Um, I wonder if seeing it would change my opinion. But at the moment, I just really want to like it and don't really like well, the music. Ap- appropriately. So I remember when I was a kid, I used to watch the Kenny Everett show. And one of my favourite ever sketches on it was was this animation called When Bambi Met Godzilla. Right. This uh, is such an obscure Jonathan reference and I'm here Kenny for it. Kenny Everett. <laughs> Is Kenny ever obscure? I don't know. I don't think I've um, ever seen. Uh, he's a, I know he's a comedian from the old days, but I don't think I've ever seen any yeah. sketches um, by him. And, uh, anyway, so please tell us so more, Jonathan. This, so the opening credits, la 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 la. There's Bambi, just you know, he, you know, just chewing and everything's like idyllic. And then at the, the end credits finish. Opening opening credits finish, and just this huge um, Godzilla footage goes boom right on Bambi, and that's it. That's the sketch. But when you back. <laughs> <laughs> when Bambi meets Godzilla. This was back in the days how where, like, you, where people had like three television channels and nothing yeah, else yeah. to do. But how else do you think it was going to go? Uh, I mean, I d- didn't know where you were going. <laughs> you were going down your own path. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I thought when you were about eight or nine is, is really funny. So what? Uh, but, but that's was it? Gonna, what, was but it, but that's going to be Poppy supporting Godzilla. <laughs> so what? Hang on. Was it a man dressed as a gorilla falling? No, it was animation. Right, okay, sorry. Animation. I think you did say that, yeah, and yeah. I was just... Yeah. So, I, was, yeah, so I'm struggling to take this in, you know? It's a difficult, <laughs> difficult always thing. Go, always take the scenic route. <laughs> so I was blissfully unaware of Poppy until today. And I sort of started saying, and I, thought, and I saw... Um, what's the name of her new album? Uh, listen to it. I'm just going to have to Google it. Yeah, I d- yeah, yeah, yeah. So the cover, you know, the cover obviously not gonna, it's going to set me off straight away because it's, you know, she's got like this superimposed spikes around her neck, black metal corpse paint. Yeah, but it's not even on her face. It's super. It's obviously superimposed on her face. Yes, but that's and, okay. That's an artistic and, decision. Yeah, and I was thinking, okay, well, here's someone else, you know, probably appropriate in black metal without trying to get a little bit of friction without actually having any investment in it whatsoever. But that's okay. I want to like it so much. So then I went in. So then I went into listen to the first song. It's like, oh my god, this is like the what like. The worst kind of baby metal um, ripoff I've ever heard. Yeah, and it's just like, and it's, just, it's all over the place. It's just like, okay, this can't. Nothing can be this bad without a reason for it. And I, I went through a few more songs. I thought, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check on the iTunes thing. And it's, oh, about who, anything biographical detail. And she's like, oh, she's a performance artist. It's like, okay, and um, and 
Yeah, she said, you know, she would do things like, um, yeah, she just put up videos that were reading a Bible for an hour, and just like, oh my God. And just like, so she's kind of like the, um, I don't know, she's like the Ivanka Trump of <laughs> kind of pop or avant pop. Like she does things because, you know, not really any knowledge of what it's supposed to do, but she's, uh, oh, this is, what, this is what performance artists do. They just read a Bible on stage. If you ask her what it meant, or she, she, probably, had, she probably had no idea why she was doing it. Just thought, well, this is what... Um, she's got a graphic novel coming out as well, Pop Damnation, oh, okay. Poppy's Inferno. So um, there's a lot of, like, style over yeah, substance going on, isn't there? Sort of elaborate costumes, point, elaborate makeup, what, you know, graphic novel. A, either what point she's trying to make, what she's really trying to... What she's trying to um, deconstruct... And on top of which, her voice is just nothing. Yeah, sub like, not a lot of substance, is there? Substance, like not even a breeze, like a kind of a wisp of a voice. That's not even like meant. I don't know. Just it's, the voice is just absolutely nothing. And yeah, it just seems to have this kind of sense of well, this is what this is what performance artists do. This kind of sense of entitlement, not even engaged with anything. Just I d I just don't don't see the point. And. Um, just so we're both kind of saying style of substance really is what we're saying. Isn't someone, it? someone told me today that if I listened to him more, I'd like, I'd, 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 um, maybe I'd get into it. But um, that's what I, I really want to like it. Like I said, I just want to I like it think, so badly. I don't think, I don't think, I, I think it's all, also now for me, it's like an art project to how much I can hate Poppy. Mm. That's my art project. Interesting. Well, let's see. Oh, not even that. I'm just uh, yeah, just I, okay. So now I know what she is. This this realm of awareness has been opened up, and just like I'm just gonna let it pass. And um, I don't actually hate Poppy, but I, don't, I just don't <laughs> don't see the point of it whatsoever. Well, I'm willing to have my mind changed. I really want to have my mind changed, and I hope my mind changes. But I'm sure she doesn't give a shit about what we think anyway, because yeah. she's doing really well. Yeah, so it just, <laughs> it's, it's fine. Just, it's just like you know, a lot of people. There was bringing a lot of people. And say, oh yeah, but she, a lot of people think, oh, that's what metal is. I was like, no, it's not. I just remember like... So for you, it's like a collection of symbols that people might see and go, that's metal, but it's not. Yeah, without any of the, without any of awareness of where those kind of symbols come from, what they're yeah. supposed to represent. And I remember like after the, um, after, you know, Lordy won the um, Eurovision Song Contest, I know my brother's friends, he's a few bit older than me, like, oh, you write for, you write for a metal magazine, yeah. So it's stuff like Lordy, it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're gatekeeping, Jonathan. You're being a metal gatekeeper. <laughs> well, just dig it, dig it. I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm a gatekeeper. Just like, just dig a bit deeper into the graves. Just don't, just don't like, you know, just polish the graves. <laughs> you know, polish the gates. Go in, go inside, dig the graves up. Get your hands dirty. Right, that's it then. Let's yeah. see if she gets her hands dirty. Let's yeah. see if she digs those graves. Yeah. And let's see if we change our minds. Yeah, but uh, thanks, Chris Lowe, because I would have been, I'd have happily gone through at least a few more months of my life without having been aware of Poppy. So thank you for that. Well, let's see. Let's see what happens, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that we've come to the end of it now. You're going right. to do something very interesting this weekend though, aren't you? Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got two festivals back to back. I'm off to York uh, tomorrow for Jorvik Takeover, which is uh, there's a big Viking festival. Uh, so very on. Well, Alice is going too. Alice so too, yeah. one of you guys, I'm sure, will be on the podcast to talk about it. Yep, yep. Uh, Highland are playing again with Goldsford and Winterfilleth. Um, uh, a few um, Vordruna wannabes who shall not be named. Uh, then coming back for cataleptic rites at the dome. I think it's at the dome. It was electric Uh I think so. Um, and there's an amazing lineup of bands on Friday and Saturday. Uh, Swati Dalvi and Miss Thurming, two of the greatest, two of the best. I signed black metal bands on the Friday. Vemod, one of the most. Um, 
majestic of black metal bands I've ever come across. And v v kind of very cosmic headlining, along with Wolverness, who are a very special band with an org with uh, Theremin, I think. And uh, and Alan from Primordial's Doom Band, Dread Sovereign. So it's going to be a really great weekend at Cataleptic Rites. I think it's at Electric Ballroom. Cool. Well, I'm going to go and listen to Poppy until I like it. So I, that's what well, I'm going to well, do. You, you're a masochist. <laughs> you don't have to like it. <laughs> but I want to. Why? don't know. I just do. It's, ev it's everything that I like except I don't like it right now. Yeah. It's yeah. everything I, I hate. <laughs> trying to sort of toy with everything that I like. These tangled webs we weave in our yeah. minds. <laughs> we will see you next week. And I'll see you at some other point in some the future. Some undetermined time within yeah. the sphere of our lives. Yes, just materialise one day. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.